This is a podcast from Delancey Elim Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 in the Delancey Elim Church building at Lake Bank St. Samson in the Channel Islands of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelim.co.uk. invite John to come and share the word today. Thanks, John. Okay, great to see everyone. Great to be back. This is kind of a bit of a surreal moment. Uh, yeah, I was actually uh, sort of... Uh, me and technology still have the same interesting uh, experiences. I had, I had one of these on, actually. I did a wedding a few weeks ago. Uh, we did everything. Went into the, the kind of back room telling the bride how lovely she looked and the mother-in-law else was there and you know doing all kinds of congratulations and things and speaking for ages and ages and someone rushing you still got your mic on so the whole of the church here heard the conversation there so i'm very wary when i go with one of these things but it really is so amazing and so fantastic to be back uh, it's very strange uh, so we're just sort of getting used to it and we just believe we're here really simply because we know this is uh, what God has spoken to us, uh, the will of God, God has spoken to us clearly. Dreams, visions, prophetic words have just come to really confirm this. And it's very unusual, actually. Very rarely do uh, even allow this to happen. So we know God's in it and God's working in it. So we're looking forward to all that God's going to do in the in the days that lie ahead. Do you want to say that? No, okay. It's unusual, but no. uh, it's so wonderful to be back, and uh, we'll be sharing as the months. Uh, go by. Just to say, it's very strange because we're sort of officially not here, okay? Uh, so if you know I'm officially here, that means I may have to kill you. Uh, <laughs> it's one of these things, uh, I'm here but not officially here, so it's one of these strange things for the next couple of weeks, but we'll soon uh, work through that, I'm sure. Okay, if you've got Bibles with you, Zechariah chapter 4. I thought I'd impress you with a, uh, a book you've probably never heard of before, but... But just a, one of the words we felt over our lives this coming year, and we've seen God, we've been on a journey. I think it's been a three-year journey that's kind of led us back to this situation. Uh, so it's, it's been a journey we've been on, and, and I think one of the words that has come to us for our journey is the word grace. I kind of thought I understood grace, but the more I go on, the more I realize how little I understand of it. And I just think it's something, as believers, we've got to grasp more and more of the incredible grace of God I think because of our misunderstanding of grace we're limited in life because we don't really see how powerful uh, grace can be in our lives now Zechariah chapter 4 verse 7 who are you O mountain O great Zerubbabel before Zerubbabel you shall become a plain he shall bring forth the capstone who shouts of grace grace to it don't you, but if you were facing some opposition, some obstacle, and I've been there when you're facing problems and things in your way, and you know, we do all the warfare, all the shouting, all the screaming, all the verses, and yet we're told here, if you've really got an obstacle in life and there's things, hindrances in your way, what you need to learn to do is to show grace, grace. And I thought, what an incredibly strange thing to say to an obstacle and a problem. 
I think one of the things that God is sort of bringing, if you like, to Zachariah's heart is in a sense, he can never remove that obstacle and that problem in his own power alone. He needs the grace of God just to flow into it. And I found that if we could just get an understanding of the grace of God, how it kind of empowers your life to be all that God called it to be. And there's four levels of grace. There's saving grace. We're all saved by grace, isn't that right? Not of our own work, not our own effort. We're all saved by grace. We are justified by grace. That we're justified just as if you've never sinned. That's an incredible thought, but we're justified by grace. There's healing, healing that comes by grace. I think sometimes we're trying to kind of stir and kind of make God perform something, but when we get to an understanding of grace, then healing and miraculous power and the supernatural power begins to flow when we grasp the power of grace. The fourth one is what I want you to think on uh, this morning, is an empowering grace. The empowering grace of God. I think sometimes the emphasis is so much on what we, what, what we can do for God, we need to somehow get a grasp of what God can do for us. I love it often when you talk to often non-believers, and they often think they know the Bible. And they say things like this, you know, God helps those who help themselves, and they kind of think that's somewhere in the Bible. But here is the truth, and we heard it earlier on. The fact is that God helps the helpless. God, God helps the undeserving. God helps those who don't measure up. And there's nothing that we can do in our own ability and strength. We are totally, if you like, we need the grace. The grace of God that empowers you to be all that God has called you to be. And I just love this sense. That it's almost like God doesn't open the door of opportunity. He empowers you for the opportunity. And I just want to get this sense that God wants to empower you. One of the things we've got to dog now, incidentally, sorry about that, but under a lot of pressure we've got to dog. One of the things I like to do to this dog is to outstare the dog. I love to outstare this dog. Just love to outstare it. The dog usually wins, but I like to sort of test myself and outstare this dog. And a sense, I hope you understood this, you know, God is continually staring at you. He never, if you like, breaks one moment of concentration. All his energy, all his passion is aimed at focus at you. I think sometimes that when we get this idea of God looking at us, we get this idea that God's looking at us with a frown. You know, he's got this frown continually. You never feel you match up. You never feel you kind of made it. And you feel God is constantly looking at you with a frown. And I kind of lived a lot of my life, a lot of years of my life, thinking that God was looking at me with a frown. So I understood the, the high priestly blessing, where it says that the, 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 may the countenance of the Lord shine upon you. And I thought to myself, well, if that's a blessing, then it must be the God smiling. There's no blessing to see someone frowning and, and looking at you in a very awkward way, in an angry way. But when I perceived that God was looking at me at a smile, it just changed my whole perception of God. And God, if you like, looks upon you with a smile, and that is how grace comes. And that grace comes, God's saying, I'm empowering you to be all that I've designed you to be. We heard earlier about the importance of sharing that gospel message and discipline. You know, here is the truth. 
if you like, God has called you and I to an impossible mission, if you look at it logically. But God says, I'm going to give you grace that will empower you for the mission and the assignment I've got for your life. Isn't that wonderful? That's grace empowering you to be what you could not be in your own power and your own strength. It's the grace that empowers. I think the best way to define it, I often define it, it's like, I think grace is like the fuel of heaven. It's like this fuel of heaven. It's like God, it's like, it's like, it's like you having an engine. Can you imagine if someone created an engine that runs on water? Hydrogen engine. And it's almost that God pours this grace fuel into the engine. And it's a petrol engine, but it doesn't only empower the engine, it changes the whole status of the engine. It changes the whole, it enables the engine to function. It doesn't just fuel it, but enables that, if you like, that engine to function. And God doesn't give you the strength just to, just to accomplish something. He, if you like, he gives you the heavenly resources. He empowers you to do what he has called you to do. And you look back and you think, how on earth did I accomplish that? How did I do it? How did I achieve it? And the reason why you did it was God, God enabled you supernaturally to do what you could not do. The great thing God has called you and I for, really, ultimately speaking, is to be like Jesus. We've been predestined to be like Christ. And that's what grace really is all about. It's God empowering you to be like Jesus. I think that's what the world is really looking for. They're looking for people to reflect Jesus. And it's grace that's poured into your heart as heavenly fuel that causes you to be more and more like Jesus. Look at Ephesians 3 verse 6. See, this was Paul's testimony, the greatest missionary, evangelist, apostolic calling the world has ever seen. How did he accomplish what God called him to, for him to accomplish? How did he fulfill the, the mission I like to term it as the Father's mission. How did he fulfill Father's mission? How did, he, how did he fulfill what God called him to accomplish? Ephesians 3. Verse 6. It said that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body, partakers of the promise in Christ of the gospel, of which I became a minister, according, what? To the gift of grace, of God given to me by the effective working of his power. To me, who am less than the less of all the saints, the grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And he's saying almost that the father, if you like, took him as a lump of clay. He began to mold him. And, and grace began to, to mold him. He began to, to work in him. He began to work in his life. And he began to empower him to be a minister of the gospel to the Gentiles. He was the last likeliest person that you would ever have chosen he was a Pharisee of Pharisees, and God took somebody who was a Pharisee of Pharisees to become an evangelist 
to the Gentiles. And Paul says, the reason I'm able to do that, the thing that enabled me to do it, was the grace of God. It was that grace of God to become. Here's what to say. We do before we become. But really the truth is we need to become before we do. Why is that important? Because if you try to do before you become, you know what happens? You then start to strive. You kind of try to make something happen. You're kind of struggling to make something happen. Because firstly, you've got to become before you do. When you become, then you can do. And Paul said, it's grace that enabled me to become so that I could preach the gospel to the Gentile world. But it was the grace that enabled me to do it. I think it's very interesting that one of the things that the, the, the priests had to do before they came into like the temple, into that holy place, the holies of holies, the Bible says they had a linen cloth over their head. It wasn't wool, because if they had wool over their heads, it would cause them to sweat. And what God was saying, that when you come into my presence, it's not by your efforts, it's not by your work, it's totally by my grace. And I welcome, I enable you to be all that you have called me to be. And he says in verse 8, he says, To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, that grace was given that I should preach the Gentiles among the search unsearchable riches of Christ. In other words, he says, God gave me an assignment. It was an assignment that, naturally speaking, was impossible. There's no way, humanly speaking, I could ever have fulfilled that assignment to take the gospel to the Gentiles. But God empowered me by giving me grace to fulfill the assignment that God has given to me. Every one of us in this room this morning has been given a God-given assignment. Everybody has an assignment. Everybody has a calling that God has placed on your life. Can you say amen? Everybody. Every single one of us. Every one of us, God God wants to put a dream in your heart. He just wants to put a dream in your heart. An assignment that is for your life and your life alone. One of the last things that they did in Caffili, one of the guys there presented me with a book. Wrote a book. That was his dream. He had a pretty difficult last few years. His wife died when he was, when she was just 50. He went bankrupt. Uh, just an incredible journey he found his life on. He went bankrupt. His, his wife died. He's got a handicapped child. And, and so he wrote a book called The Journey. And it was a dream. He felt God gave him an assignment, a dream to write a book. Never wrote a book in his life. Never knew how to do it. But God gave him a dream. God gave him assignments. And out of the grace came an empowering to do it. We were talking to one lady, and she's 92 years of age. Absolutely perfectly in health. Actually, I don't know if you know, if you know Lyndon Barron, his mother, actually. Perfectly in health. Amazing, razor-sharp mind. And I said to her, what is your secret? She says, love. So I have a dream to be the most loving person you could ever be. I thought, what a dream. 
I dream to be so loving. And maybe you've got a dream to reach a community, to, to make a difference. God places a dream and an assignment in every single person's heart. Someone said this to me, I've never forgot it. He says, you know what the richest place on the face of the earth is? It's not the oil fields. It's not where all the gold or the diamonds are in South Africa. It says the richest place in the earth are the graveyards. Because there, there are songs that have never been written. There are books that have never actually been completed. All kinds of potential that was never, ever fulfilled. Rich in potential, but never fulfilled. And every one of us, God puts an assignment, a dream in your heart. And there's the thing. Ah, it's not down to us to fulfill it. All we're called to do is find the destiny, find the dream, find the assignment, flow in that assignment, flow in that dream, flow in that, in that mission God has given to us. And as I flow in that, then grace will enable me to fulfill it. It's all about saying, God, what is the assignment you've given me to do? What is the dream you've placed in my heart? And when I find that assignment, when I find that dream, and I flow in it, God says, I'm going to cause grace to empower you to fulfill what seems impossible. Do you know how you've got a God-given dream? So I'll tell you how you know. You know how you know? The fact is you'll never do it in your own power and strength. If you can do it in your own power and strength, then it's not God's dream. Because God will always give you a dream that is beyond your ability and power to do. Why? Because you need grace to do it. Is that right? And so God gives you this incredible assignment to do it. Now, just a few things. I'll just kind of build this up. You need to get filled up. You need to go to your petrol station to get a filling and empowering of grace. One thing I've learned, I'm so glad, that's one good thing about being in Guernsey. I never have to drive miles and miles to find somewhere to fill up. And I, I'm one of these people that kind of drives, and it, I always find myself driving kind of, we're all kind of going late in the night, and suddenly you see that red light come up. You go to the first petrol station, closed. Next one, closed. And you just see that little dial going, that little sort of needle going further and further down. And, and you're just so thankful. And you pull up and you fill up with petrol. And I love, actually, when I love being here, you can actually go and say, fill, fill me up. I just love it. And God, in a sense, wants to empower you and fill you up with grace. And there's certain things that we need to do that we feel like pull up to our spiritual petrol station and get filled up and empowered with grace to fulfill the assignment and the calling that God's placed in our life. Here's the first thing we need. Here's the first filling station. Are you ready for the first filling station? Luke 4. This is your first point. When you feel the dial on your spiritual heart and you feel you're running out of grace, if you like, then there's your first call, your first call of your first petrol station. Luke 4. Luke 4, verse, verse 21. Here, if Jesus has declared his, if you like, his assignment in life. He's proclaimed it, declared it. And it seems such an amazing sermon. And he says in verse 21, 
And they began to say, and he began to say, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So all bore witness to him, and they marveled, what? At the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And then they said, is this not Joseph's son? I want to get hold of it. Gracious words. He almost says, when you spoke those words, something came alive inside us. It's like the story in Luke 6 where, where Jesus preaches this sermon. And it was one of those sermons that never really went down very well because everybody left him. I preached some bad sermons in my time, never to the point when I came back the following Sunday nobody was there. Uh, yet. Uh, but there's this point that, that, that everybody left him. When he, you know, nobody went to buy the CD afterwards, if you like it. It was a sermon, he says, you know, eat of my body, drink of my blood. And he so offended them, they all left, except for his disciples. And he said to them, won't you leave me also? And he says, almost, it wasn't very encouraging, he said, Lord, we've got nowhere else to go. But, you, but your words are words that give eternal life. And they were saying, when you speak, something comes alive in us. We don't quite understand what all that you're saying but every time you speak, I come alive on the inside. We need to let God speak to us. I think it's hearing God's voice that empowers us for grace. It's almost when God speaks to your life, you do the impossible. It doesn't matter what people think. It doesn't matter people's opinions and people's reasonings. Because as they began to reason in their heads... It, if you like, it cut them off from the anointing. As they began to reason it out and, and work it, isn't this not Joseph's son? And the more they reasoned it, the more they thought it out, those gracious words began to die inside them. And sometimes when God speaks, sometimes it doesn't always fit into our intellect and our reasonable understanding. But when you receive the words of God speaking into your heart, something in your life comes alive. I can think back over my life. I think of the words that empowered me to fulfill God's mission and God's assignment for my life. I think of Joel 2, that's been a real word of, of empowering grace in me. I will restore unto you the years the locusts have eaten. I think back at a points where there was devastation in my life. And out of that devastation, an empowering word of grace came in. And suddenly all the hurt, all the pain, all the disappointment... I came alive on the inside. I think of Jeremiah 31. This, these are the thoughts I have towards you, says the Lord. Not to harm you, not to destroy you, but to give you a hope and to give you a future. Those are such gracious words. They empowered me to face the pressures and the difficulties of situations and the circumstances. And that's what God wants to do. As God begins to speak, and I believe there's a difference between a logos and a rima. A rima word is the word right now for you. It's that word that jumps out of the page. And you read it, and it comes alive inside you. You've read it a hundred times before, but suddenly it just jumps out. And it empowers you. It empowers you for the assignment and the dream that God has placed in you. Yesterday's words, not good enough. Jesus says you can't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds. And that word proceeds means the here and the now. You can't live on yesterday's word. You can't live on yesterday's experience. You can't speak on what God said to you last week. 
You've got to say, God, what are you saying for me now? I need, I need to be refueled. <laughs> Fill me up with a now word, a word of season for my life as it is exactly right now. And I believe the key to empowering grace is to open your heart and let God speak. Jesus says, my sheep know or they recognize. They're familiarly acquainted with my voice. And that's the key to empowering grace. Hearing the voice of God. There's a second one very quickly. You still with me? Okay, Ephesians 4 verse 7. I won't take too long on these because I know time is going, but... How many need grace? We all need the empowering grace to face. I think there's all kinds of things that life's thrown at us. Circumstances, disappointments, discouragements. And so we need an empowering of grace to face things every moment of our lives. Here's another one, Ephesians 4 verse 7. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gifts. There's this thing. Whatever God has called you to do, it gives you the grace to do it. In other words, it's when I'm flowing in the gifts and the abilities and the talents that God has given to me. As I flow in those gifts, then grace will flow. Do you know how you know what your gifting is? is when you just flow, when grace is there. You know, I can tell when people are outside their gift, outside of their calling, if you like. There's no grace there. They're struggling and striving to make something happen. And no matter how hard they try, how hard they struggle, it just won't seem to come together. But when you flow in your gift, when you're flowing in the calling God has placed on your life, grace comes. I found this in life as well. I found for every battle that God caused me to face, there's always grace there. I can always tell what battles I shouldn't fight because there's no grace there to fight it. Amen? Amen. And so grace empowers me. Only as I flow in the gift, the calling, the assignment, the destiny God's put on my life, then grace will flow. The moment I try to be something God has not called me or assigned me to do, no grace there. And I'm struggling and I'm striving and it's never working. Here's the third one. Ephesians 4, verse 29. Let no corrupt word, wow, that's powerful, proceed out of your mouth. But what is good for necessary edification that it may impart what? grace to the hearers the person on the right the person on the left the person in front of you is your fuel station because as we speak encouraging words to one another you fuel someone's life with grace you know what you're actually doing you're actually you're allowing God to put like a target on your back and saying God hit them with grace I just love to think the church really should be a fueling station that right? It's a fuel is where we come and we're empowered to face the following week. You know, not only through necessarily the preaching of the word here, but all the time we're looking for ways and means to encourage. Where's Marilyn? Where are you, Marilyn? I can see that. 
You know, I always remember about Marilyn. She'd, she'd always write a card. All those, I remember if you had a card off Marilyn. A card that would always speak a word of encouragement. I think of so many of those cards that just came just at the right moment. Just to encourage. Just to fuel me up. To face the challenges of the day. So we're all fueling stages. I want to encourage you. Look for so many ways to encourage and build people up. That's the greatest thing you can do. To say, I want to encourage you. I want to bless you. It may be to write a card. It might mean to say, I want to thank you for what you did. Those guys who worked, yeah, I saw them last night sweeping up, and it was amazing. And we want to encourage them. Thank you for doing that. That was so amazing. That was so encouraging. And we want to build a culture of encouragement. There's so many things in our world that are out there pulling us down all the time. That's why the Bible says, don't neglect the meeting together of the brethren. Why? Because that's the place you get your fuel. That's the place you should get encouraged and built up to face the challenges that are out there in life. And we're all part of that. We're all part of We're a fueling station. Say, come on, let me fuel you up. Let me tell you how you've blessed me. Let me tell you how you've encouraged me. Let me tell you, you know, the things you've done. I want to encourage you. I want to bless you. And when you begin to develop that culture in your life, and you're looking for ways to bless someone and encourage someone, it's amazing that culture spreads. We've got to have that ability to say, God, today, give me a word for someone. Give me something just to say to someone because I so want to bless them. I want to fill them up. I want them to be fueled and empowered to do the things that you've called them to be. And I think that that heavenly resource of grace, when you do that, can literally transform somebody's life. Another way you you have to be empowered, that's simply to be in the will of God for your life. As much as you're in the will of God, that's how the grace of God will work in you. Do you know how you can be in the grace of God all the time? How you can be in the will of God, sorry, all the time? By being in the will of God for your life today. And God says, if you just live according to my will, your your will and your your family in every dimension of your life, you just live according to my will, then my grace is going to empower you and work in your life. That's why disobedience, really what it does, it separates us from the grace to flow, to enable us to be all that we're called to be. Let me close with this. Romans 5, 17. Time's gone. Let me just close with this. See, it's the way we really come into things in life. Romans 5, verse 17. For it is written that through one man's offence, death reigned. Through one much more who receives the abundance, I love that, the abundance of grace, unmerited favour, empowering, empowering grace, of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through Christ. How do we really face the circumstances and the challenges and the difficulties of life? How do we come through that? How do we reign over all those things that's coming against life, the enemy, the, the, the things of life just being thrown? How do we reign in the midst of that? The Bible says the way you do it is through the abundance of grace. Letting that grace empower your life So no matter what hits your life, what comes against your life, you have greater power over it. God empowering you for that in life.
You know what? If we don't live in grace, we live in disgrace. What is disgrace? It's living under condemnation and guilt and shame. And so many people are not living under grace because they're living under power of shame and and, and, dis- and, and they're living under condemnation and guilt and it's affecting the way they relate to people the way they relate to God and disgrace is right at the core of their being the only way you can get out of disgrace is to understand the power of grace and the more grace flows in you the more all that other stuff begins to depart from you let me get back to this dear guy Gerald he presented me this book on the almost my last Sunday And I thought to myself, how does somebody, he'd lost his wife just two years ago at the age of 50. He has a handicapped, a severely handicapped daughter. He went bankrupt within within those years. Here's a man, bankrupt, lost his wife, severely handicapped daughter. All incredible challenges. How does he come through that? How does he reign in the midst of that? His testimony is grace. It's the grace of God that did it. It's the grace. And that same grace that worked for him can work for you. Isn't that wonderful? How do we have grace to one another? By being filled with grace ourselves. See, you know what? Without grace, what are you going to do? You're going to always look with what's wrong with people rather than what's right with people. You don't understand grace. And you treat people out of that sense that you don't know grace. But the more you know grace... The more you've received grace, the more gracious you'll be to other people. Amen? And instead of seeing what's wrong with them, you begin to actually see maybe there's something right with them. Amen? And we all need grace. I need grace from you, and you need grace from me. Because not one in this room is, I don't think, has quite made the perfectionist stage yet. Is that right? And so we all have got to continually developing a spirit of grace. Because as grace flows... So does the presence flow. I pray, if nothing else in these days, that you and I would be people that's allowing the grace to empower us to be all that Jesus assigned and called you to be. Why don't we just stand right now in these moments for the Lord. And just lift your heart to heaven. Sometimes we come and we we feel under maybe sometimes that sense of, of failure and we feel disappointed. And, we, and I believe a lot of believers are living under power of disgrace. And God wants to pour into your heart a new sense of, of, of empowering grace. Instead of striving and struggling to be what you could never be in your own power, then let grace flow in you to do the impossible. To do the supernatural, to fulfill that dream, to fulfill that assignment, to fulfill that calling, to fulfill what God has placed in your heart. It may look impossible, but that's what grace is all about. Empowering you to do what you could not do. And I think God loves it when we say, Lord, I come in, in such vulnerability, such weakness. I failed, I've messed up, I've I've not been all that I know I should be. But Lord, I'm calling out to grace today. Let your grace flow in my heart and empower me to be all that you called me to be.
I'm just in desperate need of grace. And I found whether I preached to hundreds, whether I preached to just a small group, four or five people, I need grace every time. Because we can only accomplish what God has called us to do by his grace. In fact, that doesn't mean we don't do anything, but it means we achieve even more. Because we achieve what, what cannot be humanly possible to achieve. When grace is flowing, you achieve more than you could ever in your own human ability achieve in life. But you're just letting grace flow in you. Just open your heart now. Say, Lord, grace. How I need your grace. Let it empower me. Let it flow in my being. Let it flow in my life to be all that you've called me to be. Father, I just thank you for every person here this morning. And thank you, Lord, for every, all the assignments, all the dreams all the incredible things that you're birthing in hearts in this day, in this hour. And Lord, we just want to release empowering grace. Lord, we just come up, if you like, to that spiritual station and say, Lord, fill us up. Where we feel empty, where we feel weak and vulnerable, I pray, God, fill us up with grace. And I pray for everyone this morning that's living on the power of disgrace. Lord, I lift that disgrace off them in the name of Jesus. And I pray, fill them with, new, with a new awareness of your grace. Fill them. Lord, give them an amazing revelation of your incredible grace towards them. No more striving. No more struggling. But just receiving of the abundance of your grace being poured into our hearts. Enabling us to be all that you've called us to be. And I pray, would you raise up a supernatural people. Empowered by your grace to do incredible feats and amazing things. And people would look and wonder, and they would know that, Lord, it gives you all the glory, because if we do it, we get the glory. But when you do it through us, Lord, when people see us doing things that we could not humanly do, we thank you that you receive all the glory. And so this morning, God, we'd say, would you receive all the glory today? Use us for your glory. Use us for your honor. Pour in empowering grace, I pray, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Delancey Elim Church. For more podcasts, information, or to contact us, please visit our website at delanceyelim.co.uk.